0: don't you were able if you would let's stand on our feet let's give the lord the praise He so richly and rightfully deserved what a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to worship our god this evening in spirit and in truth what a blessed joy it is for us to gather as far as this place and space is concerned i'm excited about what god is going to do on the last night of these revival services and so this is how we're going to flow as far as tonight is concerned for those that are Joining us online as far as Facebook, YouTube... Um, And Vimeo, welcome to our St. Paul online. Our digital ministers are ready to engage you this evening. Invite this experience uh, to others. Start watching on Facebook. Share on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party for those that are watching us online and tag people. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and text the link of the worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click the invite button to share this experience with others. Amen. Amen. And also, just let us know where you're watching us from as far as this time and place and space is concerned. And uh, I'm going to ask at this time that Minister Erica Minor is going to come. She's going to give us our call to worship. And we're going to move forward as far as a Um, as far as scripture and prayer, and then we have a song of praise and the introduction of our preacher and the first preacher for the night will be up. Amen.
1: mm
2: And every tongue
0: to worship him. Can you put those hands together and give the Lord the praise He so richly and rightfully deserved. I need some worshipers in the house right now. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Can you help me to celebrate our young adult ensemble, how they have blessed us on tonight with their gift of song? Greatly appreciate them. Listen, we have had incredible preaching this week. And uh, I am so delighted to introduce or should I say present our first preacher for tonight. He is none other than my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Jerry M. Carter Jr., uh, native of Columbus, Ohio, serving as the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown, New Jersey. The Lord has allowed for him to have a ministry that stretches across the width and breadth of this land as far as preaching lecturing as well as teaching uh, are concerned and those who sit at the feet of our first preacher tonight uh, really get what I call profanity and simplicity. His sermon from the other night, the God who sings still resonates with me. Amen. And what a blessing we are here at the St. Paul Church. Amen. To have someone of his magnitude and his stature to share with us. So I want you to do me a favor. Uh, I want you to put your hands together for this graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, Drew Theological Seminary, um, uh, and just a person who has been gifted to preach this word of God, the Reverend Dr. Jerry M. Carter, as he comes and share with us the first word of the night. Put your hands together. and Give God praise as he comes.
3: of your eye closed. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for the absolute total sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We thank you for waking us up this morning and allowing us to see this day. We are grateful for the fact that you brought us to this moment. Thankful for the word that we heard on last night and what you've been doing in this revival and we pray now that you recover cover us open up our minds and our hearts to what you have to say on tonight this is your time this is your word and we bless you for it now in jesus name amen well this is the day the lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in this day Let me try it again. This is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice and we are glad in this day. Uh, let me express my appreciation, one, two, to this church, um, St. Paul, just your hospitality and uh, just the excellence of ministry here is clear people here take ministry seriously. And so I just want to thank you for your hospitality. Um, Brother Eric, um, thank you so much just for bringing us back and forth. And just, uh, just for the spirit here, I am grateful. So I appreciate these couple nights that I have been here and uh, share. And it has a whole lot to do with the uh, leadership of this pastor. And I think we ought to give God glory for, for him. He is a real brother, and I appreciate you being a brother. And I just believe that the Lord has just so much prepared for him in terms of uh, leadership here at St. Paul and even beyond here. I'm just uh, praying for him and thank God for the future that the Lord has for him. Um, anybody a Christian tonight? yes sir <laughs> yeah 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 you you weren't here last night you make sure you go back and listen to that as we were firmed as to what it means to be a christian dr william curtis is not only a christian but he's a preacher yes he is come on let's just uh, God. A preacher, and I will say that he and I have been able to share in different revivals together at least once a year for the past 20 years in some city or some area, so <clears throat> it's a privilege for us. Now tonight, we have uh, two preachers, and when you have two preachers, you don't preach as long. Now, you can't trust Baptist preachers when they say that. (laughs) But I mean that on tonight. I I, I don't want to stand here long. And something that was said last night kind of triggered uh, a thought for me and led me to a passage of Scripture that I just want to reflect on for just a little while. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Revelation 1 and. the new international version Ah. you hear these words I am the alpha and the omega says the lord god who is and who was and who is to come the almighty now that's enough I am the Alpha and the Omega, the was, the is, and who is to come, the Almighty. So tonight, I want to, just for a little while, preach from the subject, everything in between. Ah. (laughs) Everything in between. In the movie, in the movie 1917, two British, two young British soldiers... Have been commissioned to get a message to another British army unit who is on the other side of uh, this battle land, and before they are commissioned to go for their sent on this mission, they are commanded to go and spend some time with the commanding general. This They're commanded to spend time with the commanding general because the message that they are to deliver is critical and is dangerous. It's critical because the message is gonna save some lives. It's dangerous because they have to cross enemy territory to deliver the message. So they are commanded to go spend some time with the commanding general before you take off. And spending time with the commanding general would do at least two things for them. He would be able to spell out the specific tactics connected with this mission. And they would also just simply be able to learn the, the heart of the commanding general and be emboldened in their mission. All right. What they had to do and what they had to overcome. They would be that much better at it if they simply spent some time in the barracks with the commanding general. And so I understand now why in Revelation chapter 1, there's so much spelled out about who Jesus is. The priority of Revelation chapter 1 is to disclose and reintroduce the person of Jesus Christ. Because for John and John's audience, Jesus is the commanding general. Mm -hmm. And it's necessary for them to connect with him. In order for them to deal with the crises that they are facing. All right. The priority of this first chapter is not to uh, present the identity of the enemy. Even though in Revelation there is the opposition who is said to be the dragon. There is a, necess- a, a necessity for them to know who the church is and what the church is. But that's not the priority of Revelation chapter 1. It's understood in Revelation chapter 1 that the only way that John the Apostle and his church are going to endure in the faith is if they reconnect with the person of Jesus Christ. That's That's why this chapter spends so much time dealing with who Jesus is because both John and his audience are facing their own crises. John's crisis is the crisis of exile and subsequently isolation. Therefore, he would need to know who he was working for. The crisis of John's audience was that of persecution. Churches like Pergamos and Thyatira and Ephesus Sardis, had to, had to deal with the persecution that was unleashed by the Machiavellian emperor Nero. And so they would need to know who was working for them. (laughs) Okay, uh, John would need to know who he was working for. The people would need to know who was working for them. So therefore, in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is presented in his fullness before anything else is said in the book of Revelation. Eugene Peterson says that Revelation is the last word about everything that matters. (laughs) Okay, you missed that, that. Revelation is the last word about everything that matters. It's the last word about death. It's the last word about the church. It's the last word about suffering. It's the last word about worship. And surely it is the last word about Jesus. Now, what is strange to me is that both John and John's audience already know who Jesus is. John walked with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John saw him perform his miracles. John witnessed him and overheard him teaching and preaching. Yet now he's being, re- Jesus is being represented and reintroduced to the pastor and the pastor's church. The reason he is is because now John and his people are facing a new crisis. And a new crisis necessitates a reintroduction. That's why, um, what's his name? That's why Moses, before he left to go lead the people out of bondage, said to the Lord, he said, hold on, just before I go, the people are going to want to know what your name is. They already knew Jehovah to be the uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now they got a new crisis, and when you're in a new crisis, sometimes it necessitates a reintroduction. And so I thought I'd just stop by here tonight just to kind of put this reintroduction. I know you already know him, but I'm looking at somebody tonight who's facing a new crisis. I'm looking at somebody tonight who may be in a new situation. So I want you to know who he is. Again, you don't mind if I take just about five minutes and reintroduce him to you? So much time is spent in Revelation chapter one identifying who the person of Jesus is. It is... It is emphasized to the pastor, who is John, who Jesus is. And then it's John's job to make sure his church knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Before John could preach Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus had to be reintroduced to him to make sure he was clear on who Jesus is. Because as Tony Evans has said uh, many times, when there is a mist in the pulpit, there'll be a fog in the pew. And one of the reasons there's such a fog in the pew about who Jesus is is because in many, pool, many pulpits, there's a mist about who Jesus is. And so if there's a mist in preaching, there will be a fog in living. And so I, John makes sure that he knows who Jesus is before he can preach it to the people. And so before anything else, uh, the Lord wants it made clear that Jesus is the one who has hair like lamb's wool, eyes like balls of fire, feet like polished brass, a voice like floods of water. And then from there, Jesus is identified as the one who will return. And when he returns, he will not be born or he will not come in some inconspicuous manger in an inconsequential land. That when Jesus returns, he will return in the clouds. Everyone will see him, including those who crucified. him. <laughs> Yet yeah, yeah, Jesus is identified as the one who shall return. Jesus is the one who identifies, who is identified as the one who walks amongst the candlesticks. That is, he is present in the churches. The one who is imminent is also, the one who is transcendent is also Imminent. Our four would put it like this, that he sits high. Are y'all going to help me tonight? But he looks low. He's the one who walks with us and talks with us. He, he, John is making sure, it's, it's ascertained for him that Jesus is the one who walks amongst the candlesticks. Jesus is the one, just keep on reading his resume. That Jesus is the one who walks amongst the candlesticks. He's also the one who's the first begotten of the dead. If he's the first begotten of the dead, that implies there's somebody who's second. And that's you and I. That when Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus got something started. Okay, Jesus is the one who's also his the faithful witness. To call Jesus the faithful witness is to say that he is the unique revealer of God. And that he has no peers. Uh, Moses is not as... Peer. Sid Harter is not his peer. Zoroaster is not his peer. Muhammad is not his peer. Jesus is the unique revealer of God. One man says that Jesus is the sonogram of God. He's the ultrasound of God who reveals God's heart to us, okay. I just thought it's somebody here loved him. Can I talk about him on the night? He's the one who is the faithful witness. And then, if you keep reading Revelation chapter one, I'm getting closer to where I want to be. Jesus is the one who shed his blood for us. He did not offer the substitutionary blood of some pigeon or some lamb. No, he was the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world to take away the sins of. All of that is said about Jesus it says that he is the one who is the is, the was, and the one who is to come. He's the is first. He's the was and the one who is to come second. Because was and is to come are always subject to who he is right now. Because Jesus always exists in the eternal now. That's why when he was talking to those Jews who said, we have Abraham. His grammar was messed up, but his theology was on target when he said, before Abraham was, I am. (laughs) All of this. The people need to know who he is. Because the key to making it through our present crisis is to be in touch with who the person of who Jesus is. After all of that. Here it is. And I'm almost done. After all of that. After all of those titles. And what shall I more say? Because the time does not permit me to go through the whole first chapter. But this one title is what caught my attention. He says, I am Alpha and Omega I am alpha and Omega in revelation, both Jesus, uh, or God, the father and God, the son are both identified as alpha and Omega for him to say, I am alpha, alpha, and Omega echoes the, I am statements of the gospel of John. And whenever Jesus says, I am, he is simultaneously saying what everybody else is not. okay let me try over here whenever jesus says i am he's also identifying what everybody else is he's making a claim to exclusivity i am the door i am the resurrection that means nobody else is so when he says i am alpha and omega he's also saying nobody else is that i am alpha and the omega Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last one. And he says, that's what I am on tonight. And I want you to know in St. Paul that when Jesus says, I'm alpha and omega, he is saying it in one sense that he is complete within himself. (laughs) That if he's alpha and if he is omega, There's nothing you can do or there's no need to alter him because he is complete within himself and doesn't need anybody to improve on who he is. I just got a new iPhone and I was was bragging about how wonderful it is. I don't know what the last one, the latest one, is it 13? Is that it? And and, and my daughter looked at me and said, Daddy, that ain't nothing because they're going to have a new one real soon because technology is always improving. Might I tell you on tonight that there is no improving on who Jesus is. There is nothing that we need to do to make Jesus more relevant there's no flag that needs to be put in his hand, no American flag to make him the identification of one political party or another. Jesus does not need to be my skin pigmentation to be relevant to black liberation. Jesus, does, his, his gender does not need to be altered for him to be at the center of women's equality. Jesus does not need to be Latin American for him to be a part of the struggle of oppression in Latin America. Jesus is relevant in who he is. Can I talk about him on the night? He's the fullness of fullness. Yeah, yeah, all time exists within his purpose. All space exists within his presence. All history exists within his purpose. All of creation is supported by his power. He is the fullness of everything that is. To say that Jesus is Alpha and he's Omega is to say that he is complete within himself. Can I push it a little further? I'm just turning this diamond around here to call him Alpha and Omega is to also say that in him we find our origin and our destination. Oh, come on church. I'm sorry, I can't promise you a new Mercedes on tonight. I, I can't, can't promise you your breakthrough is coming on September the 2nd. But I can promise you this, that he is the Alpha and Omega. That means he is our origin. And he is our destination. He's our protos and our eschatos. He's the one from where we start. And the one to whom we're going. We, 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 we come from him. And, and and we don't find rest until we rest him somehow. Or another pigeons have this amazing homing device, where where no matter how far a, tra- a pigeon travels, no matter what winds blow them, wherever the winds are blowing them, they're able to find their way back to their original destination. That's why pigeons were used in World War I to deliver messages. That's why even to today in India, certain uh, 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 police outfits use pigeons to deliver messages because they know how to get back home. Listen, real human living is the ability to get back home because all of us come from Christ. And people don't really rest until they rest in him. All of us have this uh, spiritual GPS system in us that really leads us back to who Jesus is. Some people mute it. Some people bury it. Some people caricature it. But everybody really won't live. No one really lives until they live in him. Augustine said that we were made for him and we will not rest until we rest in him. So I'm wondering, have you made it home today? (laughs) For anybody who's watching right now have you made it home am I looking at anybody who said I know I'm home now because I rest in him he is the alpha point yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. he's the omega point and I have eternal life because I've been turned back toward him anybody know he's the alpha point and the, he's the omega point and whatever else that means that means he's complete within himself yes, that means he is our origin yes, and our destination But it also means that he has the first and the last word. (laughs) If he's alpha. And then if he's omega. Then nothing anybody says. Can be the last word. Everything they say. Is in between him. Okay. I don't care what's said on Fox or CNN or MSN. Look. The last word comes. Look, the first word of the out of the Lord's mouth in the Bible is "Let there be." Right, 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 right. The last word in Revelation is "May the grace be with you." May grace be with you. <laughs> yes, sir. There's nothing anybody can say but, uh, uh, outside or before "Let there be," or after "The grace of God be with you." Because God has the last word. There are people in your life who will attempt to have the last word. Your doctors will attempt to have the last word. Your lawyers will attempt to have the last word. Your employers will attempt to have the last word. But go back to them and tell them, I know somebody who's alpha and Omega which means he's the one who has the last word he is the one look dehydration and death tried to have the last word in Hagar's life as she was about to give up on her son Ishmael but God got involved and had the last word and showed her a well of water you don't hear me on tonight that that woman who had that 12 year bleeding problem Sickness tried to have the last word, but somehow or another Jesus passed her way. She touched to him. I wish I had a Bible reader here. Touched to him of his garment and ended up having healing, having the last word. On the cross, death tried to have the last word. I said death tried to have the last word as the remains of Jesus were deposited deep in the soul of nature's night in Joseph's new tomb. But early on Sunday morning, I wish I had some old school people here. Early on Sunday morning, he was raised with all power in his hand and subsequently we sing the hymn, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He's the alpha point. He's the omega point. And whatever that means is that he has the last, he has the last word. Whatever people say always has a comma behind it and never a period because Jesus is alpha and omega. To call him alpha and omega is to say that, 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 that he's complete within himself. It's to say that we have our origin and our destination in him. It is to say that he has the first and the last word. But I'm done here. The preacher is coming. That To call him alpha and omega also means that Jesus... Hmm is the border of history.
4: My God, my God, my God, my
3: God. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If he's the alpha point, right. if he's the omega point, right. whatever else that means is that from the beginning, there's Christ right. at the end, there's Christ right. and anything in between is in between. Right. Can't go outside of him. Um, From eternity to eternity, he is God. He is the eternal God, which means everything that happens has to happen in between him. Uh, I tell people at Calvary all the time, we don't know when to shout. So let me try it again. Everything, look, every season of your life is in between him. Every, every time you go through a season, look, look. Our childhood, our uh, our infancy, our childhood, our adolescence, our young adult lives, our middle age lives, our senior lives, our, the process of aging, whatever comes about with aging. It's amazing how your conversations change. The older you get, you start talking about sickness and getting your tests run and all that kind of stuff. All of that is between. Jesus, the fact that you can't party all night long and get up in the morning like you used to, all of that is between Jesus. The fact that your steps are not as quick as they used to be, the fact that your body doesn't look like it, all of that is occurring within him. He is Alpha and he's Omega. All of history occurs within him. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of the tyrannical forces of racism occur within him. That's why it can only do so much. History occurs between him. Between him, there was the rise and the fall of the Egyptian empire. Between him, there was the rise and fall of the Assyrian and the Babylonian empires. Between him... There was the rise and fall of the Persian Empire. I'll keep running. Between him until you get it. There was the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Between him there was the rise and the fall of the Ming Dynasty. Between him there was the rise and the fall of colonialism in Africa. Between him was the rise and the fall of chattel slavery in this country. Between him there was the rise and the fall of apartheid in South Africa. Between him will be the rise and fall of Trumpism in this country because if he's the alpha point I'm done and he's the omega point that means everything has to happen between him so that whatever is going on in your own personal circumstance whatever sickness you may have yeah yeah whatever disease you may have whatever grief you may be experiencing yeah whatever trouble may be dogging your footsteps I want you to know that if he's Alpha and Omega, he borders everything that's going on in your life. And because he does, what that means is that whatever you're going through can only do so much to you. Because when it goes right, it runs into Alpha. When it goes left, it runs into Omega. When gun violence goes right, it runs into alpha. When it goes left, it runs into omega. When COVID goes right, it can only go so far. When monkeypox goes left, it can only go so far because Jesus is the border of everything that we're going through. I gotta leave you now, but before I take my seat, somebody ought to give him glory for the fact that as bad as things are, They could be a whole lot worse if Jesus was not Alpha and if he was not Omega. Is there anybody in the room who simply wants to open up your mouth and tell him thank you that stuff is not as bad, that the situation is not as bad as it could be? Because Jesus is the Alpha point. He's the Omega point and he's everything in between. If I was the old preacher, I won't do it, but what they would do is they would say, Jesus is everything from A to Z. He's the answer for my agony. He's the balm for my bruises. He's the cure for my calamity. He's the deliverance from my distresses. He's the eraser for my errors. He's the forgiveness for my faults. Is there anybody here who knows that he's everything? Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him, I would fail. When I am sad, He makes me glad. Turn to your neighbor and tell him He's my all, He's everything, He's Alpha he's Omega quit worrying about what happens in between he's the border of history and whatever happens has to happen between him come on bless his name for the fact that he's out
0: need somebody right now they ain't afraid to give God praise for this powerful word my God my God can we celebrate this preacher tonight Dr. Jerry M. Carter, oh, we could do a whole lot better than that what a word what a word my God my God <sighs> mm, mm, mm. Lord have mercy Lord have mercy what a word I'm I'm still stuck y'all so y'all got to forgive me right now I see some folks on zoom y'all getting blessed on zoom amen 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 what a word listen listen we're we're getting ready to to receive the Lord's offering at this time and uh, uh, somebody tonight just ought to just give because he's Alpha and Omega. Give just because when you didn't have, he made sure you had. And when you didn't think you could make it, he made sure you did. He, 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 listen, listen, listen. You can do whatever you want to. I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm sticking with Jesus. There are several ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. Uh, You can either drop off check or money order at the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can uh, mail your check router to that address. Or you can drop off check cash money order here at the church. Call the church office at 704-334-5309. Make sure someone is here to receive. Uh, your offering and it'll be placed in the safe and part of the next count. The other way you can give is through our website, through Vimeo or Church Life as far as ACS or Church Life. And Then you can also give using an app called GiveLify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app from your app store, connect to your favorite credit card and in three clicks you can give. If you have a physical offering in the house tonight. Uh, In just a few moments, You'll be able to, for those that are close to the outer aisle uh, of your pew, uh, there's a basket right beside it. And uh, you'll be able to pass that basket down and we'll receive that offering. So how are you going to give, whether you're giving digitally or you're giving a physical offering, or if you have already given, if you would just lift your offering with your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come on the last night of this watch. And we give out of a position of generosity and thanksgiving. Oh, how you've blessed us over these last few nights, and we just want to come and say thank you. We don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it out of necessity, but we do it cheerfully because we are told you love the cheerful giver. And so, Lord, bless according to what you see in our hearts. Because we know, oh God, we can't beat you given no matter how hard we try. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone that truly believes say amen. Do me a favor for those who are on the outer aisle. If you will, look at, down um, to the pew beside you. And if you will, take that, pass it on down. And our account team will receive your offering at this time. Amen. While they're doing that, I want to introduce our, our second preacher for tonight. Um, He's been with us since Sunday and has blessed us in a tremendous and an incredible way. He is none other than my friend and brother beloved, the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis, the pastor of the Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. God has allowed for him to, of course, travel across the width and breadth of this land, preaching the unsearchable riches of our Christ's gospel. And what a joy it has been to be able to sit at his feet this week, and hear the Lord use him in a mighty and magnificent way. We were telling him last night that wherever he goes from here on out, he just need to preach that text he preached last night. I am a Christian because God knows we need to be reminded of who we are. So from Sunday from Sunday up until now, um, we have been blessed in a tremendous way. A graduate of Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, and Howard University School of Divinity, as well as having earned a doctoral degree from United Theological Seminary, um, he has the learning and the burning as well. And so, uh, what we're gonna do is, as far as uh, this time of preparation is concerned, we're gonna have, Scott, we're gonna have a song, right? Then the hymn choir. Then Dr. Curtis, you're up. And uh, he's going to come and do what God has called and commissioned and consecrated him to do. Both of these preachers, they were just born to preach. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're looking forward to the Lord using him in a mighty and magnificent way. Put your hands together as our uh, young adult ensemble and hymn choir will come and bless us. If you would celebrate them and give God praise for them. Amen. Happy birthday, Dr. Fulham. We wouldn't know it's your birthday. (laughs) Amen. You all do your thing.
5: Suited to common meter. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou would draw thyself from me, all whither shall I go? What did thine only son endure before I drew my breath? What pain, what labor to secure my soul from endless death? Author of faith, to thee I lift. My weary, longing eyes. Oh, may I now receive that gift. My soul, without it dies. M293, suited to common meter. Sing as we line. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. Oh,
2: Father.
5: from me. Oh, where shall I go? Hey. What pain, what labor to secure my soul from endless death? What, What pain!
6: Lord, thank you that you are Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Thank you for framing and bordering our lives so that nothing happens to us that precedes your Lordship and nothing happens to us that can outlast or outlive it. For that strong and refreshing reminder, we give you thanks. Each one of us tonight are able to place our total concerns within the border of your Lordship and to thank you that all things are working together for our good. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. We ask it in Jesus' name and all of God's children said together, Amen. Amen. Would you help me again to celebrate your pastor, my friend, my brother, the Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott. And to his lovely wife and their lovely daughter, constituting first family, we appreciate them. to all of the pastors and preachers who are gathered and assembled tonight, to those who make up the leadership and the discipleship of the St. Paul Church, to my preaching tag team partner, the Reverend Dr. Jerry M. Carter. I am... He referred to the fact that we get to do this several times almost each year, and it has stretched over almost two decades. And I'm in the same emotional space tonight. I'm in every time he precedes me, whenever it's his turn to go first. I just can't get myself together to come after him. I just really, literally want to stand and say, "And now unto him, who is able to keep us from falling, right, so that we can leave this place." Spending these next several days ruminating over that necessary word. I am, I'm a fan of Jerry Carter's preaching. I don't just, I'm not just blessed by it. I tell him all the time. I'm also a fan of his preaching and it makes our friendship all the stronger because for us, there is no such thing as competition. I am so blessed by what God is doing through his life and the word that God has given to him and for Robert Scott, to trust us with these coveted nights of revival, I'm so appreciative, appreciative for our friendship and for him being as true a brother to me as there could be. I have one blood sister who is four years my junior. I am her living ATM machine. And Robert Scott is my true brother and he don't really ask me for much. And so I'm grateful for, for him tonight and thankful that he entrusts us with his preaching responsibility. Very quickly, help me thank God for these young adults who have blessed us and for this hymn choir. Yeah. All right, there's something so organic when that hymn choir stands, it, it just resonates through the whole congregation, and I'm always blessed to be able to hear them. I want you to listen to these words, and I am well aware of the fact that you've already been blessed by one sermon and you are wondering, how long is he going to be? And I'm wondering, how long is it going to take you to say amen? And I promise I will only be as long as it takes you to say amen, all right? Okay, and now unto him. John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54 constitute the framework for our sermonic time together. Herein lies the word of God. Once more, he, he being Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea. He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And The father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. I wanna preach just a few moments from the subject when Jesus